Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves. Do you want to know how to better study God's Word? Then participate in one of our online workshops or join one of our online Bible study classes. Whether you are looking for a place to start or want something more in-depth, there are plenty of options and times to choose from. Head to our website at www.preceptministries.ca to find a workshop or a class that is a good fit for you. We want you to have the tools to know God deeply and live differently. On our website, you can also get connected to our social media pages and join our email list to stay up to date on the many things God is doing through Precept Ministries in Canada. Uh, If you have um, your Bibles, uh, turn with me to Jeremiah uh, chapter 29. And uh, as you're turning to Jeremiah 29, I am going to pray. And uh, then we'll dig into the scriptures. All right, let's pray. Father God, we do thank you for uh, the time that you have given us to uh, not only gather together outdoors, but also to to listen to to you at work in the lives of these students. Father, we thank you that uh, you are a God who continues to transform hearts uh, and lives to, to follow after you. And Father, we just heard here in these stories, these individuals owning their faith. And, and not just having the faith of their parents, but, but owning it for themselves. And this is the, the call that you have for each and every one of us. So as, as we look into the scriptures uh, this morning, would you continue to guide us and direct us? Uh, speak to our hearts. Transform us to be more and more like you each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, Jeremiah chapter 29. We've heard two verses from uh, Jeremiah 29 already this morning. But uh, I want to just kind of give us a little bit of a uh, review of where we've been because this is, this is the end. This is eighth week of resolve. And after this uh, is a holiday and then we'll, we'll dig into something else. But what we're going to look at and what we have been looking at in the idea of resolve is that we are going to make a firm commitment to stand and choose to live for the glory of God before we ever get into the position that we are going to have to make. So we're going to stand firm, we're going to make that happen right away. And so what we're going to look at is we've seen through the, all this that we, we are aliens living in a, in a world. We're not of the world, but we are living in the world. We've seen all of these alien characteristics of how we should live. We see how God hates pride, that God calls us to be people of integrity. All of these things that have happened. And now what we're pulling out is we're going back in time a little bit into Jeremiah And Jeremiah is going to tell us how we are going to live in the midst of the culture that we live in. We've got all of these characteristics laid out, but now we're going to just see what God tells the the Judeans, the people who are in Babylon at this time, how they are to live. So let me set this up for you, okay? In Jeremiah chapter 29, 
This is happening around 597 BC. 605 BC is when Daniel went into captivity. So 597 BC is actually the time of the second siege of Babylon. 597 is when Ezekiel and all of the craftsmen and all of the workers, they then are taken into Babylon. This message through Jeremiah, Jeremiah is left back in Jerusalem to serve, comes eight years after Daniel first went into captivity. And so we're going to see here uh, right away in these first few verses. So follow along uh, with me in the text and let's see what Jeremiah has for the people of God as well as for us. All right, verse 1. These are the words of the letter which Jeremiah, the prophet, sent from Jerusalem to the rest of Israel. Of the exiles, the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the king mother and the queen mother, the court's officials, the princes of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the smiths had departed. This letter was sent from the hand of Elash, the son of Shaphan and Gemara, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, saying, look at verse 4, he says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles who I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. <gasps> There's a lot happening there. Essentially this, eight years after Daniel goes into captivity, this message from God to Jeremiah in Jerusalem, handwritten in a letter, delivered to the people of Babylon. And the word is, this is how you should live in the midst of your time in Babylon. This is how you are to live in the culture that you are living in. If you can remember all the way back nine weeks ago, because we had a holiday in there, if you remember all the way back nine weeks ago, we did talk about what the culture in our world looks like today. And so the truth that we're going to look at applies to us as much as it does to Jeremiah. And if you are a note taker, this is the title of this message. Are you ready? You want to write this down. It is insulate, don't isolate. All right. So insulate, but don't isolate. So this is what God is now going to tell the people who have been taken into captivity. Ready? Look what he says in verse five. The first thing he says is Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and become fathers of sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there and do not decrease. Seek the welfare of your city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare uh, you will have welfare. 
Verse 8 says, For thus says the Lord of God of Israel, Do not let your prophets who are in your midst and your diviners deceive you. Do not listen to their dreams which they dream. For they prophesy falsely to you in the name that I have not sent them, declares the Lord. All right, so before we get digging into this, the whole purpose of resolve is for you and I to be looking at how we can best live to glorify God. Everything that we have been doing over the last eight, nine weeks is we have been taking God's word and we have been filtering everything through it. All right, so I'm really not a coffee drinker. I, I really have never got into the whole coffee thing, but I understand that it's important to have a really good filter so that when you run the water through it, you don't get the grounds. Am I right? Is that, is that the truth of it? Okay, well, then you get the good coffee that comes out of there. Honestly, that's the extent of what I know. But what we have here is we have God's word, and that is going to play as the believer's filter. Everything we have, everything we know, everything we hear, we are going to run it through God's word. And if it doesn't line up, we're going to throw it out. That's what we're called to do as believers in Jesus Christ. So we're also called, and what we've seen is we are called to live as priests. We saw that very early on in the book of Peter that we are called to be priests. We are a royal priesthood and a chosen nation. We are to live after God. The opposite of that comes in Ephesians chapter 4 when he says that some of you are like children being tossed by the waves that come about. So we're going to walk through this passage now and we're going to filter everything we can through the truth of God's word, and then we're going to come out on the other end of this knowing how we need to live with resolve in the world. And the first thing you'll see in this passage is when they are in Babylon, it doesn't look any different, does it, than when they were living in Judah. It tells them that you are to build a house, that you are to live in that house, that you are to plant gardens, and that you are to eat of their produce. Uh, get married, have children, multiply, and do not decrease. Do you see what's happening here? He's saying, Jeremiah is saying the message from God, hey, you're in captivity. You are no longer near your house. You are no longer living in the culture that you are so used to, but you are to live in that culture as though you were living at home and do not isolate from the culture but insulate yourself into the culture so be prepared use the word of God as a filter but also just keep living your life so the first point that I want to put in here is in the culture that we are living in right now you and I we are people that need to live it up we need to live our lives as though we are here for a while that means we can build houses and we can plant gardens and we can eat of the land and, and we are going to live our lives here for the time that we are here. We're going to get excited about the things that we want to do here. We're going to invest our time to live a life that glorifies God in our cities that we have. So Jeremiah, through God, tells them, live it up. 
Live your life while you're in this foreign city. Christ sent you and I into this world, and we are here for this specific time and purpose and place to live it up. We are to, to live our lives now, uh, waiting for the day for when we will uh, return to be with uh, Jesus Christ. But we are to live our lives. We're to, to live and, you know, have jobs and, and, and take care of ourselves and, and, and enjoy life. And, and sometimes even maybe cheer for that team that is going to the Stanley Cup that you don't really want to. But live it up. Just live your life. We're, we're not supposed to completely isolate ourselves from this world and just keep living and living and waiting till that day we pass away. We're not supposed to, to dig a trench or a hole and hide in that hole our lives. We are to, to live for God in the culture that we are in. The second thing he tells us in verse 7 is that we are to seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you. Pray to the Lord on its behalf. And for its welfare, you will have welfare. This is, this is an absolutely amazing message that comes from Jeremiah. And you know what he says? He says, pray for, your, pray for the city that you're in. He says, pray for Babylon. The Babylonians who just wiped you out and took you in two sieges, pray for them. Seek their welfare and their good for their city. And out of seeking that welfare, you too will have good. Let me ask you a question and for you to consider is, uh, when was the last time you prayed for your country? When was the last time you got on your hands and knees and you begged God to, to, for the country and for the leaders of this country? I don't know about you, but uh, there have been some Christian examples uh, just in the last year that maybe aren't the greatest examples of just kind of going, going against the government in every possible way over COVID-19. Were you praying for your leaders in that time as, as they were trying to figure out ways to best protect the people of the land from, from covid are you praying for the leaders that they would receive Jesus Christ and, and, you know, move away from the immorality that we see so rampant in our country and begin to push biblical principles from the legislature? These are the, the things that God, through Jeremiah, is telling the exiles, seek the welfare of your city. Be contributors to your community and to your country and to your city and pray to God on its behalf. We have tremendous examples of individuals in, in precepts ministry who get on their hands and knees every month and beg God to do great things for our country. We need to pray that God will protect us as we live here. That the truth of God's word will hold strong as we live in our cities, in our communities, in our country. Look at Romans uh, chapter 13, verse 1, and listen to what Paul tells 
the Roman, the, the believers in Rome, what they're supposed to do when it comes to the authorities that are over top of them. Uh, Romans 13.1 says, Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established. If you walk through the Old Testament and you, and you continue to walk through the book of Daniel, you will see that it is God who puts kings in place. It is God who puts rulers in place. And therefore, we are to submit to the authority that is above us. And so this, this is the time that we're in. And you see, when we are submitting to God's authority, we end up having or to man's authority in the government, we have church outside. Or we have opportunities where, you know what, we haven't been able to get together. Just, just hear the joy in the fact that there was, you know, someone waiting over a year to be baptized, patiently but not patiently waiting to be baptized until the time came that that could happen. Why? because it's important to submit to our authorities. We are examples in this culture. And so that is what, what Jeremiah is telling these people to do, is to be ones who seek the welfare, submit to their authorities, and out of that, you will have welfare. You know, what would that look like today if we, can, if we were to be a rebellious people would, would the thumb come down even harder on us in persecution? If you have time, take the opportunity to, to see what it's like to be a Christian living in China. To, to know that the government in China, what they do, you know what they do for people who do preset Bible studies in China? They turn the internet dial down. They slow Zoom calls down so that the internet speed will not allow them to talk about Jesus in a public place. Well, well, look at us here, wide out in the open, Bibles open, proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior through the waters of baptism. And here we have this beautiful opportunity to share in what God is doing together. When there are others who are in secret worshiping you see believers we are to we are to submit to the authority of God except you ready through the filter of God's word except when God's word is contradicted if we live by the truth of God's word we can submit through God's word but when when we have governments that come against and contradict God's word we need to stand firm on the truth of God's word Let's look at the, the next one that uh, comes up. All right, it comes from uh, John chapter 14, verses 15 to 18. How do we know what is of God's word and what is not of God's word? So John chapter 14, verses 15 to 18, Jesus, he, he puts forward a promise for us. And this promise is this. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever, 
that is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him but you know him because he abides in you and will be in you 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 and i we we have the holy spirit living within us and because the holy spirit is living within us we we can determine through wisdom and understanding what is of God's word and what is not of God's word. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit would come after he left. Look with me to uh, James chapter 1. And James chapter 1 tells, tells us as believers that we are to, to pray. And, and look what he calls us to pray to. James chapter 1. He says in the first few verses, he says, James, a bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when encountering various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect results, so that you may be perfect and complete and not lacking nothing. See the contrast in Scripture in verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously without reproach, and it will be given to him. We need to pray and ask God to help us decipher and determine the truth and what's being told to us. Filter it through the word of God. Let the word of God stand higher than any authority of man. And as we, we filter everything through the word of God, we need to know that the Holy Spirit will be speaking to us and we, we need wisdom. We can ask God for it and he will provide. Well, let's go back into Jeremiah because uh, this, this will be the hard verses to look at. Verses five to nine. And look at what he says here. He's saying, build houses, take wives, seek the welfare. Uh, for thus the Lord says in verse 8, The God of Israel, do not let your prophets who are in your midst, do not listen to your prophets in your midst and diviners deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams which they dream. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name, and I have not sent them, declares the Lord. What, what God is telling Jeremiah and Jeremiah is writing to the exiles is that, hey, when you are in, when you are in this culture that is not known to you, there's going to be false teachers, there's going to be false prophets, there's going to be people who are speaking a truth that does not align to the word of God. And so you need to filter everything through the truth of God's word, line it up and know that those, these people are teaching and preaching with the purpose of to elevate themselves. Don't listen to them. Don't let them deceive you. Don't let their dreams sway you. In, in the world that we are living in right now, we have uh, false teachers and false prophets who are sharing a wrong truth. It sounds so good, but it does not align to God's word. Uh, turn with me to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verses 1 to 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 
1 to 8. Paul says regarding the church, it's actually been reported that there's immorality among you, and immorality of such a kind does not exist even among the Gentiles. That someone has his father's wife, you've become arrogant and have mourned, and instead so that one who had done this deed would be removed from your midst. For I, on my part, through the absent in my body, present in spirit, have already judged him who has committed this, as though I were present. In the name of the Lord Jesus, when you are assembled, uh, I with you in spirit, with power of the Lord Jesus, I've decided to deliver such one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that for a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? Clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump. Just as you are in fact unleavened for Christ, our Passover also has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us not feast not with old, un old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. What's Paul saying in this passage? Well, first, he's saying that in this church, there's a problem of, of sexual immorality. The second thing he's telling us is that in the church, there are opportunities and there are people who are going to, to give bad advice. There are those who claim to be Christian with their words and, and some of their actions, but some of their words and their actions do not filter through the word of God and come out pure on the other end. And there are those that are within the body of Christ that are going to tell us things that sound so good, but they don't line up. And that's why you and I as believers, when, when we hear every word that comes from someone of authority's mouth in the church, we need to line it back to the truth of God's word. We don't want to be deceived. We don't, we don't want to be people who fall into the trap of, of living a life of, say, that focuses on things like social justice and, and critical theory and all of these ideas that come about because they sound so much like Scripture. So some of the, the movements that we see in our culture right now are based on Scripture, but Scripture taken out of context. This is why so many battles rile up in the church over things like race and things like sexuality and things like what is truth and what is not truth. The battles continue because scripture is taken out of context. We can get bad information within the church. But Paul, what he's calling this church to regarding sexual immorality, he's calling believers to do a number of things. And I want you to take note, you believers, those of you who call yourselves Christian, this is what God calls us to do as believers in the church together. The first is he calls us to be accountable to sin. He calls us to call out sin when we see it 
in the church. You see, this church in Corinth was burying the sin and they were actually worshiping the sin. We are to call it out. It has no place in the church. We need to deal with sin or it is going to spread like unleavened bread or leavened bread. Look at, look at the culture that we are living in right now. In areas where we have not been good at dealing with sin. You ready? Let me just give you a few. Alright? Divorce within the church. We have, we have not been good in dealing with that. The other thing that we have not been good de at dealing with is the whole idea of sexual immorality. And then in other areas where we let some things go in lifestyle when we, do, when we call out others. How are we to be living? We're to be living like priests. We're to be living lives that bring glory and honor to God. And when we see friends and we see them walking in a path that they're not walking in, maybe you ask the question, if you were to die tomorrow, where would you spend eternity? Uh, we need to love each other so much that we will call out sin when we see sin. That we will deal with each other in a way that we will grow together. You see, the opposite can happen. You see, as this leaven spreads and sin can, can infiltrate the whole church, if you look at uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 33 for me, that Jesus gives us the opposite with the same example. Matthew 13, 33. And he, he's speaking in a parable and he tells us here, he said, Jesus spoke another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven. And he says, this leaven which the woman took and hid in three pecks of flour until it was leavened. Uh, this parable this comparison in scripture, uh, what Jesus is saying is just like sin can infiltrate the church and it can overrun the church and take, it, take the church in a whole different direction, so can the believers who are living for Jesus Christ in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God can spread like leaven and grow, grow, grow. When? When you and I live a life of obedience God's word. This is, this is how we live in the culture. We, we align everything through the scriptures. We filter it all through. Now, let me show you uh, a, an example for a moment as we, we walk through these next few verses. Let me, let me give you verses 10 to 14, and I want to show you uh, a clear example in Jeremiah 28 of what happens when, when we listen to the wrong people. It says, for thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, and to give you a future hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. 
You will seek me and you will find me. And when you search for me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I'll restore your fortunes and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from where I sent you. As we, as we walk through those scriptures, have you heard that verse before? Jeremiah 20, 29, 11? Anyone got it painted on their, their front door or their wall close into their house? Anybody got a t-shirt? Jeremiah 29:11. Listen, we're putting this verse into context today for you to understand that yes, this, this verse has application for you and I, but in context, who is God speaking to? God is speaking to the exiles in Babylon. And what is he telling them? He's telling them, one, you will be in captivity for 70 years. Why? I know I have a plan for you. And at the end of my time, and the purpose for you being in, in exile is this, that when you call upon my name, I will answer you and I will restore you to the land. Now, let's look at this really quickly here and see, first of all, why they're in, in captivity for 70 years. They're in captivity for 70 years because every seventh year, according to Leviticus, they were to let the land rest. And they did not let the land rest on the seventh year. That means no farming, no, no working of the land. And they did not allow that to happen for 490 years. And so for 490 years, they just kept working right through the land. And then God said, you are going into captivity for 70 years. So the way the math works out, it's really interesting. If you follow further into Revelation, these people are going into captivity for 70 periods of seven. 70 periods of seven because on the seventh year they did not let the land rest. Who did the math real quick in their mind? 70 times seven is 490. So they are going to be in land, in this land for 70 years. How many years? Yell it out. 70 years they are going to be there. God is telling them that they are going to be there for 70 years. Turn, turn with me to uh, Jeremiah chapter 28, and I want you to see what is happening. And, and this prophet, this prophet that came to the people of Babylon, came two years before this opportunity right here with, uh, with Jeremiah 29. Or sorry, four years before. Listen to what he says. In verse 28, it says, Now in the same year, in the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fourth year, in the fifth month, Hananiah the son of Azur the prophet, who was from Gibeon, spoke to me in the house of the Lord. In the presence of the priests, and all the people were saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two years, I'm going to bring back to this place all the vessels of the Lord's house, which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried to Babylon. I'm going to bring back to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, 
and all the exiles of Judah who went to Babylon, declares the Lord. For I'll break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Then the prophet Jeremiah spoke to the prophet Hananiah in the presence of the priests and all of the people who were standing at the house of the Lord. And the prophet said, Amen. May the Lord do so. May the Lord confirm your words which you have prophesied to bring back the vessels to the Lord's house and all the exiles from Babylon. So let me, let me just correct myself. Four years after, four years after Jeremiah is given the word from God about going to Babylon for 70 years, Hananiah comes on the scene and this is what he says. Hananiah says to the people, look, I just heard a word from the Lord. And the word I heard from the Lord is that you're actually going to leave Babylon within two years and I'm going to restore everything back to what it was before Nebuchadnezzar came. Two year, four years after God had already given this message, Hananiah comes on the scene and is a false prophet. And the best part of this passage is Jeremiah says, Hey, May it be so. Um, Hananiah, if your prophecy comes true, that's fantastic. It's absolutely amazing that if God does this, we will be back in our land after two years. But, but he lays out here and he says, in the rest of the chapter, he says, but if it doesn't come true, may God show us whose prophecy is correct. Two months after Hananiah's prophecy about going into the land, he dies. Why? Because he's a false teacher. Because God judged him for leading his people astray. You see, Jeremiah laid out the plan through God already. Look, you're going to be here a while. You're going to be here for 70 years. So live your life. Get married. Have children. Plant gardens. Live it up while you're here. Because it's not going to end in two years. You see, the, the, the call that we have here is what Jeremiah did is what we need to do. Everything we hear, every word that comes must be filtered through God's word. Know that uh, God and his word is true. In Hebrews and in Titus, both tells us that God cannot be in error. Therefore, we can, we can count on God's word above anything else. Uh, for some of you that were working through Daniel, you know, you, you picked up some books and you were working through Daniel out over the last number of weeks. Do you know what you were doing? If you were doing it every single day, you were beginning to create 
a habit within yourself. If you had not been in the Word of God before and you were starting to do that on a regular basis, you were creating a new habit in your life of getting into God's Word each and every day as a daily thing and studying and learning and, and being impacted. I don't know about you, but I was so encouraged every time I would see that email come out and somebody would have a story in there about how Daniel was affecting their life. Were you encouraged to see that people's lives were being impacted? Why? Because they were in the Word of God. They were making it a priority to study God's Word for themselves. This is the call for you and I. There are going to be people like Hananiah in our world that are going to stand even in front of us and, and try to teach us things that are of God's Word, but they are not. They sound just like it. Filter everything you see through God's word. Don't fall for those who sound really good. Filter it all through God's word. So, so let me bring this, bring this to a close. When we call upon God's name, and this is what he's, he's saying, when you call upon me after the 70 years, when you pray and you call upon me, I will listen to you. You will seek me. You will find me. You will search for me with all your heart and I will be found. If you were to, to look at the beginning of Daniel chapter 9, you could write this down and read this this week. You will see Daniel. Daniel goes to God on behalf of his people and he begs and he prays that God would do great things for the people of Israel. He prays a prayer of repentance. He prays after God. And what does it say when you pray? When you and your people pray, I will hear you. The most interesting thing about Daniel chapter 9, are you ready for it? What was Daniel reading when he started to pray? Jeremiah 29. He was reading about the plans that God had for his people, plans to restore them and bring them back. He was reading from Daniel 29 from Jeremiah 29 and reading from Jan Jeremiah 25 and he prayed out and he begged for God. You see you and I this this is it. This is this is where the rubber hits the road. You ready? We are going to live here now. You and I until the Lord calls us home. We are to live it up. We're to live a life that brings glory and honor to God. We're to insulate ourselves with God's word and we're not to isolate from the world. Think about these Tibetan monks who live on the side of, of a mountain and they completely dedicate their entire lives to, to being in isolation so, so that they won't be tempted from, from the sins of the world and they, they will live lives that bring uh, glory and honor to God in everything that they do. Uh, you and I, we can't do that. We can't be monks. Because if every one of us went and isolated ourselves in our little bubbles... Ooh, bubbles, is that a bad word now? 
if we were to isolate in ourselves in our little bubbles until the Lord takes us home, there's one huge problem with that, and that is that the world will not see Jesus. And so we are to live in the world, to live it up, to live after Jesus in the world, to bring glory and honor to him in all that we do. Why? So that the world can see us. So the world can see a difference in you and I, and we can be just like this leaven that impacts and makes a difference with the kingdom of God. So let me give you uh, one key thing to leave us with in how to do this. Are you ready? Surround yourself with a body of believers who love Jesus with all their heart that are not afraid to tell you when you are living in sin, when you are walking in a way that does not bring glory and honor to God, that they are willing to have the hard conversation with you that says, look, you're not walking like a priest. You're not living like an alien. I can't tell the difference between you and that of one who is in the world. Surround yourselves with believers. Make yourselves accountable to each other and engage with those who are on the outside looking in. Share the gospel with those who so desperately need to hear it so that their lives can be changed just like yours has been. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you. We thank you that uh, you have called us to live lives of resolve. That you have called us to be people who live a life that brings glory and honor to you. You've called us to live in the world that we're in. We're in this place right now because you have placed us here. You have placed us in this time in our culture for the purpose of glorifying you and sharing Jesus. And Lord, this, the world that we live in right now so desperately needs you. So may we live lives that uh, shine the light of your son in this world. May we have courage and boldness to call out sin when we see it. May we be people who make a difference for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening. Make sure to check out our website at www.preceptministries.ca. And we want to hear from you. If you have been impacted by these podcasts or another ministry of Precept Ministries, then we want to know. Email us your testimonies to info at preceptministries.ca. We can't wait to hear about how God is working in your life.